Hey y'all, this podcast is meant for mature audiences only and contains strong adult language. So if you are under 18, be out. We discuss our experiences, thoughts, and tips on ethical non-monogamy from the perspective of a black married couple. We smart, but we not experts. So this show is for entertainment purposes only. So whether you working out, driving, or listening to us on your home sound system, enjoy the show. Here we are, everybody. Hello. Welcome to the Black and Kinky Lifestyle Podcast. This is the Bomber. And the Bell. We have to talk about this latest episode of Wonderlust Swingers. So, uh, Bell, you haven't heard this episode, but I had explained it to you, but they were talking about a rule that they broke. Right. And so, uh, basically, you know, I urge folks to check out the episode. We'll have it in the show notes. But the... um, but apparently they, they, you know, broke their rule of like condom use. Like they mm-hmm. ended up playing with another couple without a condom. Right. Apparently this is something, this is a rule they broke together. They were with a couple <laughs> and they both, they both happened to break the rule at the mm-hmm. same time, which I thought was interesting. But in some ways that kind of made it easier to deal with. Yeah right it's like oh we both fucked up yeah right (laughs) so you know kate really talked about that in a really authentic way like kate's great you know daryl is great you know they Mm -hmm. worked it out and um and and all that jazz i don't really want to talk about that they 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 figured it out um you know it was in the heat of the moment and i'm sure like you know they they took their measures and got tested and all that all that shit um but there was one there was one aspect of the uh, rule breaking that I found really interesting, or at least one reaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, so apparently, you know, they, they're fucking unprotected, and uh, the partner that Kate had, the man, uh, he pulled out before mm-hmm. he busted a nut. Right. And Daryl, however, uh, did not pull out. Mm-hmm. Like, he shot up the club. Right. He fucking injected mayonnaise <laughs> in the sandwich. <laughs> okay. Um he uh so he he just he decided to offer a cream pie. We're gonna just we're gonna count how many um euphemisms. Yes. How many ways can I say bust a nut inside a bitch? <laughs> um but <laughs> but Daryl definitely busted a hot one uh in this chick and kate had a reaction to that Mm -hmm. because she hadn't seen daryl do that to anybody but her right uh which because this wasn't an issue of like him getting her pregnant that really wasn't i don't think that was a worry Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it was just it, it was sort of like you could imagine Kate looking at that, like he, like you know him fucking doing his Lex Steel like <laughs> scream as he's, um, you know, breeding this woman. Oh. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I ran out of I, I ran out of different ways to say it. Uh, so it's almost like she saw that and she was like, okay, so you you busted nuts and bitches now, like you know, she right. uh, did not have a good reaction to that, mm-hmm. uh, and so it got me wondering a little bit about nut (laughs) okay and 
I have always had a paranoid feeling about busting nuts in a chick. Uh, to this day, when we're playing, and quite recently, like, you know, when it's a really intense play session, mm-hmm. I got a condom on. Right. I mean, I'm not pulling out before I bust a nut, but I pull out immediately after because I'm like, I'm like scared. <laughs> I'm like scared. It's like, like the sperm cells are going to find their way out of the condom because... <laughs> Life finds a way. Well, that's true. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I pull out because uh, I don't want it to sit there. But it's it's that. It's that fear. But it also feels too intimate. Like mm-hmm. if I just if I yeah. if I just leave my dick inside you. It, it, that is very intimate. You think so, too, right? Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. You know, so like when you have a play session and the guy. So first of all, let's let's just talk about let's just talk about nut busting and bitches in general. <laughs> Is that a turn on for you? Like, like the, 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 you know, I bust nuts in you all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Only for, yeah, only for you. Like only if you're the one busting a nut in me. Like I don't, I don't, I wouldn't be comfortable with someone else doing that. Mm -hmm. But what if, but so of course I I hope so. But (laughs) like, what if like they, they have the condom on though. So tell me, tell me about that. You, You like that? I don't I don't particularly care either way I don't think. <laughs> okay, all right. You don't you don't think about it. No. <laughs> okay. Um but but women do find the thought of a guy busting a nut in it busting a nut in her sexy, I mean, I right? like it. I like it when I can feel it. Like when I can feel the ejaculation. Mm-hmm. Like This is what I'm talking about. Yes. Yeah, I like that feeling. Yeah. But it's harder to feel that like with a condom on. Right. Even when you did, even when you're doing edibles. Well, that's a whole different. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, something interesting happened in the uh, last play session we had. Uh-huh. Uh, so you gave we talk about this on the Patreon, but you gave a guy head. Yeah. And um, and it was clear that he had busted a nut. Now, at first, <laughs> I thought he busted a nut in your mouth. Oh no. Because uh, I know you don't, you're not particularly fond of that. No, no. Um, but the nut had to go somewhere. Yeah. And I realized when you turned around that it had shot on your chest and sort of drizzled down. <laughs> yes. To it was your actually quite dramatic. <laughs> Mid session, was it? Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean it was dramatic? No, it was just like it wasn't like just like a little spot on my chest. It was like yeah there was a trail yeah yeah right it was and it was perfectly symmetrical and centered i was actually amazed at the aiming skill of of your partner because i almost wish you know what i've never seen so you you remember like well it was actually me because i finished him with a double hand job so oh a double hand job yeah okay i was giving him head but then yes i was concerned about him busting in my mouth so then i finished him with a double hand job um so when I saw you turn around and I saw the cum dribbling <laughs> image, because it was like, for me, it was like one thick drip, right? Uh-huh. Uh, and it was so white. I just remember <laughs> <laughs> the contrast between it and your skin. It was it was so white that I almost wish I could have took a picture of it because what it reminded me of, you remember Sin City? You know, remember the movie Sin City? Mm-hmm. Like it was, is it like a black and white movie? Yeah. But it's like high contrast, so the blacks are like super blacks right. and the whites are like super white. Yeah. That's what it looked like. I mm-hmm. thought I was in a Sin City movie because <laughs> this contrast between your skin and cum was so was so 
like hi mm. uh, and then you immediately ran and, and washed it off which i totally understand mm-hmm. um but yeah i just i just wanted to talk about that like i i feel like the busting a nut in a chick is so so intimate mm. like the thought of it feels like love like it doesn't feel like even <laughs> when i'm watching a porn yeah. and a guy like busses a nut in a chick I'm like, yo, did they fall in love? This seems romantic <laughs> to me. It seems so romantic. I definitely romantic. don't think cream pie <laughs> porn is romantic. <laughs> Wait, but so how did you feel about me having a nut busted on me? Uh, I I knew that you didn't like it. Well, no, I didn't. I wouldn't say I didn't like it. Oh, you you did like it. To, you you liked the feeling of warm cum slowly <laughs> dribbling its <laughs> way you down. You say it like that. <laughs> Um, I didn't, I did not like it. Okay. Well, let's I preferred it than being in my mouth. Oh, okay. All right. Well, so, so you like, you like having it, nuts I mean, busted on your well, skin. Well, I mean, it's not, not like, oh face. yeah, give me all the nuts. Ah, lace <laughs> donut. Ah. Like, it's not like that, but it, I felt accomplished. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's uh, evidence of my accomplishment. Oh, okay. So, um, so having semen on your body. <laughs> Is a validating experience. Yes, for you. it is absolutely okay. I got it. As long as you're the one who made it happen. Yes. As long as you are the producer. Well, not the producer of the, the ejaculate, catalyst. but the facilitator. Yeah, of the, the ejaculate. facilitator of the, the ejaculate. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, that's awesome. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, that's enough. Come talk. Let's uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's get to the show. You are listening to the Black and Kinky Lifestyle Podcast. Hey, it's all you sexy listeners out there. I know y'all just loving this episode. But if you have been tuning in monthly to hear Bomber and Belle, you have to check them out on Patreon. Every week they upload more steamy details of their play sessions, hilarious stories, and erotic private photos. Go to www.patreon.com patreon.com forward slash black and kinky and donate at least two dollars a month to get exclusive access hope to see you there bye sexies all right what's up y'all black history month is upon us once again as you know the black and kinky lifestyle exists because we believe in spreading the message of sex positivity and ethical non-monogamy to our people for better or for worse now for 2021 we did an ig series to celebrate black voices in the lifestyle and this year we're going to have you hear directly from some content creators that you may or may not have heard of now we wish we could interview all the black content creators out there but we only had time for a few we will do better next year now, today, uh, we're going to be talking to Jen from Monogamish Pod. Now, born in Kingstown, Jamaica, Jen is a pansexual and polyamorous black woman who hosts the Monogamish Pod, a podcast exploring non-monogamy and polyamory through a black Caribbean lens using pop culture and interviews. Engaged in polyamorous practices for the last 10 years, Jen is sharing stories and creating deeper understanding of the different facets of non-monogamy and polyamory that BIPOC experience so check out this interview we hope you enjoy i'll check back in afterwards peace out all right and now we have the lovely jen from monogamish pod on the show say hello girl hello how are y'all doing today (laughs) were you trying to mimic my voice just now you know i couldn't resist i had had to put my little you know i I just had to let the people know that (laughs) i'm happy to be here with you 
you know, I, I, when I hear my voice, that is not what I hear when I'm editing my recordings. Although I do speed up the the playback speed. So maybe, maybe I do yeah. sound like that. I don't know. Is that not what we're all doing when we're editing our recordings? <laughs> I thought that was like standard. Like I only listen to it at normal speed if I'm trying to correct something and I'm not sure where it is. Right. Yo, when you, can I ask you a question? Like when you listen to podcasts, do you listen to those at normal speed too? Um, some of them I do. And some I don't. And that's usually because if it's like a music podcast, I want to hear everything in real time. Of course. But if it's a podcast of like people talking and stuff, I'm like, oh, yeah, like one and a half speed is fine. I listen to audiobooks at one and a half speed, depending on who's narrating. That's also a tricky thing because some people are able to measure their words and others are just kind of gobbledygooking all over the place like myself. Oh, no, no, no. No, not at all. Um, no, no, your 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 podcast is straight. You know, um, although I do listen to yours in one point five speed, um, and I listen to just about every other podcast in one point five speed. But it's always interesting when I run into a podcaster and they're talking in real time, and I'm like, why are you, why are you talking so slow? Um, oh, because yes. I'm so. <laughs> So, I hate that. <laughs> I'm so used to hearing you like really get to it. Um, so anyway, uh, speaking of which, um, if you could just tell our listeners a little bit about your podcast and why, uh, why it's a thing. Oh, yeah, of course. So Nagamish Pod. Fun fact, I am not monogamish. I just I just want to put that out there. It just sounded better than calling it poly-ish. So that's like a very fun behind the theme. So let me just say, (laughs) I'm, I'm so glad to hear another podcaster come on the show and say, you know what? That's the name of the show. It actually doesn't describe me that accurately (laughs) because black and kinky doesn't really describe us at all. Uh, the black part, yes. The kinky part, I am disappointingly discovering more and more every day that we are just not that kinky. <laughs> <laughs> well, neither am I. So I'm just going to put it out. We're learning new things every day, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there are things that I discovered recently in the past couple of months. And I was like, wow, y'all like that? That's what y'all are doing in your spare time? Hmm, I didn't know that was a thing. Not for me, but blessings to you. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty much how I spend my whole life going. But the the podcast, right? Not not about my kinky explorations, the podcast. Oh, no, we'll get to your kinky <laughs> explorations. Don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's about non-monogamy and polyamory through a Black Caribbean lens because surprise, like we said before, I am Jamaican. And so my entire life experience is through that facet, right? I was born and raised in Jamaica. I left there when I was in my 20s. So I talk about non-monogamy and polyamory in that way. I've had the lovely bomber and bell on my podcast and uh i think it's important this podcast exists because there are not enough black focused podcasts and i i will say it that way because even there are a lot of podcasts who you know are there's a black host or two but it still ends up veering kind of white mm. not to be offensive to anyone but mm. I, I can count the amount of white people I've had on my podcast on one hand. I don't need all fingers and I have over <laughs> 80 episodes. <laughs> so I just, I'm definitely trying to unpack the non-monogamous and polyamorous experience for 
Black people and also for other people of color. You know, I've had Chinese people on, I've had indigenous people on. I'm, I'm, I'm an, if you're a POC, I'm cool. Like, I got you. I got a space for you on the podcast. But as a Black woman, I'm always going to center Black people first. So I have a question about, uh, as a fellow member of the of the Black diaspora, um, you mentioned something about a Caribbean lens to sex positivity. And I guess I'm I'm wondering if you could say a little bit more about what it is, uh, just what is unique about the intersection between sex positivity and, uh, and, and Caribbean, you know, Jamaicans, you know, we're talking about West Indians, we're talking about, you like, well, what, what is it, what is it unique about that group and sex positivity that makes your podcast significant? Positivity. What is the sex positivity you speak of in the Caribbean? We all, we only practice shame here. What do you mean? <laughs> women can't have sex. <laughs> women don't have sex. Women are only allowed to sleep with their husbands. And if they sleep with more than one person who is not their husband, then they're loose. Like, what, what are you talking about? Sex positivity? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think a lot of the islands in the Caribbean could potentially speak to this, but I'll just speak from the Jamaican experience, obviously, that a lot of our laws are rooted in colonialism and the church. So <laughs> there are some things that are illegal, including anal sex. That's like a whole uh-huh. other conversation that we can have. But um, even anal sex between a man and a woman. It's called buggery. If you're putting, buggery? Yeah, it's a buggery law. That's what it is. So if you're putting your member into a hole that is not the vagina, but is the anus, that is against the law. If you get caught. I, but also, like, who's going to barge into your home to be like, ah, I knew you were fucking him in the ass. Well, <laughs> I'm sure there could be like, let's really think about this for a second. Like, of course, it's absurd that somebody would barge in your house um, for the sole purpose of catching you having anal sex. But let's say there was a suspicion. A neighbor told the police and the police told an investigator. Now an investigator is having surveillance on your home. And there's a whole sequence of activities that are going into collecting evidence that you've been taking it up the booty hole. I could totally see it happening. I mean, it has happened, but usually it's usually weaponized, of course, towards gay people, right? Towards uh, yes, gay men. of course. So, mm-hmm. of course, we have had in my childhood and also like in adulthood, we have heard about the raids on certain homes of prominent gay people or mm-hmm. people who are presumed to be gay and the men that are found in those homes. It's a whole thing. But I, I feel as if once you are from a Christian background, shame is really what you learn about sex and yeah. non-monogamy and polyamory is either some white people shit or this is how our family did it in Africa. Mm-hmm, There's no mm-hmm. like middle ground. But once you are a Jamaican man, it is expected that you have 30,000 girlfriends and like 20 million kids. That's like standard. Uh, there, there's, I have a guy friend right now, single guy, super cool, no girlfriend. And they're like, so you're not going to have a kid? Like, what's going on? Like, why are you wasting your time? <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Why are you not doing this thing? And so I think that growing up in Jamaica and being exposed to sex and relationships and non-monogamy in that way kind of shaped in a lot of ways how I view non-monogamy now. Not necessarily like, oh, I agree with the same thing, but I was kind of like, oh yeah, I remember that. This is what made me think that 
I could do this. Like men could have tons of girlfriends. So why couldn't I have a husband and a wife? That just made sense to me as a kid. Obviously I was the odd one out because I also knew you don't tell people that you're thinking about these things. Mm-hmm. So there is like this culture of secrecy around it. And I'm trying to bust down that closet door for all who are willing to do that. But there are things that you didn't learn unless it was from media as it relates to love, sex, relationships, and all those, all that media that we got exposed to was mainly American. So I'm very much a bystander in American culture in a lot of ways, because some stuff I'm like, Oh, okay. So this is, this is standard. I missed it. Sorry. I, I only got friends on my TV. So like, if it wasn't on friends, I probably didn't get it, but I I get it now. Like I'm cool. I'm hip with it. So it's, it's interesting when we, when you talk about sex um, and I, you know, I think about the Caribbean, um, I think about like Carabana um, or um, gosh, what is the um, carnival? Uh, yeah, carnival. Thank you. That's where yeah. I'm going with this. Um, and you know, for the layperson that is not from the Caribbean, that is really the exposure they get to the culture. Mm-hmm. And it seems like a very sexy, sex-positive culture when you see carnival you see these amazing extravagant costumes these half-naked women you see uh the provocative dancing um that happens um you know and you would think oh this culture celebrates sexuality but what you're the picture you're painting doesn't seem that way at all uh, uh, or no. it seems very heteronormative very patriarchal at, at, yes. at best it is all of those things. So it is not as publicly sex as it. Carnival is just an event. It's not about sex and it's not sexy to people. If that makes sense, like once you're in the Caribbean, it's like, oh, this is just our culture. This is just what happens. Mm-hmm. I can tell you a funny story about Carnival in Jamaica, because, of course, Jamaica is ruled by the church in a lot of ways. Um, so with COVID, of course, you know, our head of state, our prime minister did have to. Well, he's not our official head of state because we're still a colony of. Okay, that's a whole long story. But our prime minister and, you know, the head of the church in Jamaica prayed about our COVID pandemic and we should all just have more prayer in our life. That is how we're moving through this with thoughts and prayers when there's trauma in the world. Um, But carnival actually used to be on Easter Sunday. That was how it was when I was a kid. That was pretty normal because it was a holiday, the Monday, obviously. So people would have that Monday off from work. But when I was in my teens, was I in my teens yet? Probably. There was this huge shift. They're like, we can no longer have this demonic event on a Sunday because all these half naked people are just whoring around on the street. We can't do that anymore. So they actually had to move carnival to the Sunday after Easter Sunday mm-hmm. because the church was like, eh, nah, we don't like this. Y'all are ha- <laughs> these heathens parading outside our churches, <laughs> half naked. How dare they? The Lord rebuke you. oh very interesting um what so where do you you know it's 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 interesting how we all grow up i was just talking to my friends about this and just how um 
how much we did not understand about sex and sexuality, but particularly about women. Um, and as I get grow, but as I grow older, I'm understanding that you know, even as a man, like I, 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 I did not master my own body as as much as I did, as much as I mm-hmm. thought I, I did. Um, but where do you get your information, or where did you get your information about sex positivity and polyamory and non-monogamy in your journey? If it wasn't coming from your culture. Oh, real sex on HBO. <laughs> I was staying up <laughs> at night watching the Skinamax and real sex on HBO was my favorite show. And they went to sex clubs and they had a conversation with real people. And obviously the majority of them were white, but I was like, Oh, this looks interesting. This is exciting. Okay. And you, I, I don't want to say I was exposed to sex at a young age, but I kind of was cause television, right? Like, I mean, I was an only child ish. Mm-hmm. I was the only child in the house. Let's put it that way. And so I was left alone a lot. So like I could stay up at night and I could like put on the TV and I would like, you know, mute it real low, put it real low. And I'd be watching these interesting things on television. When I would stay over at my dad's house, my cousins and I would be there. Like we'd be on the, the chat rooms on the MSN chat rooms and stuff like that. So we were definitely exposed to things we were not supposed to have been exposed to at a very young age in that way. But you always kind of knew that you weren't supposed to be looking at this thing. It's like, I'm not supposed to be looking at it, but I was kind of excited by learning about all the stuff. It was Mm -hmm. like, okay. Oh, so you can do it that way. Okay. Okay. All right. I mean, I want to do it that way someday. And by contrast, you would think, oh, you probably lost your virginity really young. I was 17. So it's probably about average, average age. (laughs) Right. I, re- I remember watching Sex in the City uh, when I was young, and it and it was con- it was pretty naughty, uh, or like one of these things that I had to hide and I had to wait till Dad was asleep to catch it. Um, but I remember the anticipation uh, I used to experience before. Uh, I said Sex in the City. I mean, I meant real sex. Um, uh, that's what we're talking about here, right? Real sex, not Sex in the yeah, City. Yeah, real. Yeah, yes. real sex. So, um, so. I remember the anticipation, but I remember that anticipation and the expectation never quite getting met because I'm expecting to see like porn with young, attractive uh, women and like smashing all over the place. But then, you know, when you watch real sex, you get like these older white couples or groups and they're not just talking about having sex with each other they're talking about sex on a spiritual level and i remember watching it and even though it didn't quite meet my expectation it it was fascinating to me even at a young age and now you know i'm sort of sitting here um post 40 and just now understanding what's going, you know, after going on my own spiritual journeys and, you know, in this journey of sex positivity with my wife and, you know, we're still evolving in this uh, ethical non-monogamy space. I'm kind of starting to get what those folks were doing. And I've been, I've had a growing curiosity about it, not just to sort of have, you know, these group sexual experiences, but I'm like, yo, there's like tantric spiritual, like, you know, these people are having sex with the universe. This isn't just like, you know, fucking orgasms. This is like having a full spiritual body experience. And I, and, and that was always fascinating to me. So I think we, we both had our, our <laughs> a very similar exposure uh, to uh, the realm of non-traditional non-traditional sex 
Yes, absolutely. I thought that they were a little nuts because I didn't really understand the whole spiritual element of it. But of course, as I engaged with more sex media, I wouldn't even say sex positive because I also watched Queer as Folk and the L Word with my mom growing up. Mm-hmm. So I can't say those were those were sex positive in the sense that you they had sex on screen, but it wasn't necessarily always the healthiest depictions of sex. And so for that, I will say, yeah, real sex was like the door. Like I opened the door, real sex was there. That I was also watching Undressed on MTV, which obviously like you don't see anything despite the name of the show being Undressed. But you also kind of learn a lot about different kinds of relationships. And then on like a teenager, teen side, I was watching Degrassi where they were talking about, oh, having sex for the first time and what that's like. And, you know, that time that Emma got an STD and the whole school got this STD because, you know, that's what they did. And it was just- Damn, that's what was going on on Degrassi? That's what was happening on Degrassi. There were school shootings. There was like- I thought it was like a Saved by the Bell kind of show. No. Oh, no, no, no. No, no, no. (laughs) Saved by the Bell is like super soft, even though they covered like eating disorders and stuff like that. Nah, Degrassi was like, we got teen pregnancy. We got school shootings. We got gang violence. We got, you know, who's gay, who's not gay. We got sexual assault. We got STDs being spread around the school. We mm-hmm. got like broken homes, abusive parents. Like they went, they do a whole lot of stuff. And mm-hmm. so even though it wasn't all like sex stuff, it was like seeing kids my own age explore themselves as they grew up. Yes, I knew it was fictional, but just kind of seeing that as well. And then my mom read a lot of romance novels. So you had the romance novels where they kissed at the end. And that was, you know, super romantic. The mm-hmm. ones where they had sex at the end or it faded to black and it was implied they had sex at the end. And that was romantic. Or the ones where they were having sex in the beginning of the book. <laughs> so I was just exposed and it was never weird. My mom always told me from a young age, she said, guys will say and do anything to get in your pants. You may not understand what that means, but... <laughs> This is the truth of your life. You have to remember this always. Still true. Still true. She she had never lied. She had never told me a lie about that. Mm-hmm. So you're um so you're pretty pretty public on your uh with on your podcast uh and so yeah. I'm assuming your friends and family know about this. Oh yeah, my dad probably has figured it out by now that I'm polyamorous, but he knows that I am bisexual. I did I did the obvious thing and came out to him because I don't know if you know this, but dads are weird. Like relating to your your father in particular about something, especially as a daughter, is kind of odd because we both live in the state where if it's not happening in front of his face, it's not happening. So like if he doesn't see you with somebody, you've never had a boyfriend. If they don't catch you like or talking about sex or something like that, you've never had sex. So as far as my father could be concerned, I'm a virgin Mm -hmm, (laughs) and mm -hmm. I've only had one boyfriend. (laughs) Uh, But when I mean, when you came out to your dad, I mean, what 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 was his reaction? Hmm. Okay. Literally, that was it. <laughs> I thought you were thinking about my question. Oh, no, for a no, that was that was his response. Mm, okay, oh, so and a lot of nodding because I'm trying to tell him like, oh yeah, like I'm bisexual because that's a term he understands, right? Like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm bisexual, whatever. And contextually, my father is, you know, he's a he's a Gen X 
guy. So homophobia was, you know, pretty rampant in Jamaica when he was growing up and even a bit now and a smaller scale in a different way. I could say we still have issues with homosexuality being accepted in Jamaica. And so my dad used to always make lots of little homophobic jokes. And it was never a thing that bothered me because I knew who he was culturally. Like that's just, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. but I will tell you that when I told him I was bisexual and so I did both, you know, guys and girls, he stopped making those jokes to my face. I don't know if he does it in his private time, but that is the, the probably the only sliver of support I will get in that regard. Unless I come around with someone, I'm like, Hey, I'm actually going to marry this one. So, you know, I think when it comes to these uh, stories about coming out to parents, um, I, I tend to have a negative assumption about it because of what I've been exposed to, but also what kind of gets, you know, attention um, and the stories people tell or the horror stories people tell those get more attentions that, you know, that, that sort of makes it around the world uh, multiple times. Mm -hmm. Um, But I suspect that uh, the stories, the one that you're, you just shared are similar stories where, you know, kids come out to their parents and their parents are like, oh, all right, well, cool, you know, um, and, you know, it's it doesn't turn out to be a big deal. We don't tend to hear about that a lot. So when you said what you said, I'm, I'm imagining, first of all, we have this Caribbean man uh, yep. and his Caribbean daughter telling him, like, she's queer in a environment that is very anti- non-heterosexual and I'm just kind of surprised that of the outcome of this story of you and your dad I think that's kind of cool and fascinating and just kind of uh, subverts expectations a bit oh no it's true I was very surprised as well so I deliberately planned this thing I can tell you the whole story I planned how I was going to tell him down to the T I talked about it in therapy a lot and my therapist was just like but you don't know what he's going to say and I'm like, but he could hate me. And she's like, but you don't know that. <laughs> like, girl, like, chill. We haven't gotten to that point yet. And so my mom and my little sister came from Jamaica to visit. My dad lives in Florida with his wife and kids. Context. My mom, when I lived in Florida, my mom came to, from Jamaica to visit me. She was staying with me. Mm-hmm. And so I planned it so that he would come to the house while my mom was there. And she could be there at the table while I told him. So... I think my dad thought I was kind of telling both of them, but then he realized pretty quickly, like, oh, your mother already knows this. Okay. So you're really having this conversation. Mom always knows. She just knows. (laughs) Yeah. That and, you know, my mom has met one of my girlfriends before her age. So (laughs) very, very, very fun times. But, uh, you know, and so he was kind of like, okay. I'm sorry. You can't just. She can't just skip by that one. So you said (laughs) you had a girlfriend that was your mom's age. It wasn't like exactly my mom's age, but she's closer to my mom's age than she was to my age. So, so you like, you like them older? Is I, it, were you, you, you were dating, <laughs> is, would she be considered a cougar then? Is I that, mean, is that a thing? Perhaps, I guess I would, I would have been in my late teens and she would have been in her early thirties. So you late teens early yeah man that's <laughs> that's far out there <laughs> so and and then the worst part was that you know she worked with my mom which i didn't 
So what? <laughs> this, this is that's the story. not how I met her. That's not how I met her. <laughs> Super important. Yeah, it, it was we... it was bring my daughter to work day, and <laughs> you got picked no. up. <laughs> no. What does your mom do for a living? No, don't don't answer that question. No, my my mom worked for a company, and my ex girlfriend also worked for the same company, but in a different department. My mm. mom was like more exec level, and she was just. My girlfriend was also like an actress. Um, oh, 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 so she, it wasn't, so that's not, again, once you are gay or queer or an out or like mostly out, out is very vague in how we talk about queerness. But once you are mm-hmm. open once to you're being no around lo- other Once queer you're no people, longer hiding or once you're yeah. no longer, yes. Okay. I got yeah. Cause I like understand you, you have to come out multiple times. I mean, it's yeah. not just a, you know, static yeah. thing. Exactly. So once you engage with other queer people in Jamaica, it spans age ranges, right? So you kind of all know each other, even if you may not be like in the exact same age group. I see. So Mm -hmm. I was mm -hmm. friends with someone that she had done a show with. And that person was, you know, in mid 20s. So Obviously, you know, at 19, mid 20s makes sense to have a friend that age as long. And he was gay. It wasn't like he was trying to fuck me or anything. So we were cool. And, you know, I had other people in this weird age range that I was in from 19, probably about like 45, 50, that we all hung out together because the queer spaces were so small. Right. Right. Like we'd all go to the same events. If it's a queer event, like we'd all go to the same events. So there Mm -hmm. was no like real division between like the your mom's age (laughs) at my age kind of queer people and Mm -hmm. my age queer people Mm -hmm. so that that's how I met her and we you know hit it off conversation wise like you would think you're 19 you had nothing to talk to a 30 something year old about it was like well I wasn't talking about my college courses (laughs) like we were talking about other things and like I had lots of thoughts and I've read lots of books. And so like we talked about those things that we had in common So we were kind of, you know, going out. And then at this point, my mom knows that I am into women mm-hmm. and I went to an event with my mother, not a work event, a social event, because that's my mom and I do go party together. That's totally fine. Mm-hmm. And my girlfriend was there. So I was like, Hey, you know, mom, I'm going to you know, I'm going to say hi, but like, I'm not going to spend time with her, obviously, because like, I'm here with you. So brought my mom over there. And I was like, yeah, you know, I introduced them. And <laughs> my mom is like, oh, hi. Let's call her Tasha. Hi, Tasha. And Tasha's like, oh, hi, Maxine. That's not my mom's real name, but we'll call her Maxine. Uh-huh. And, I like Maxine. <laughs> you know, right. And then my mom makes a joke about something at work. <laughs> and Tasha's like, yeah, da 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 da. And I was like, right technically they work for the same company word and you know my mom wanders away to go to the bar to get us drinks and i probably talked to my girlfriend maybe like five minutes total and so like in the car on the way home that night my mom was like you know when you first told me you were into women i thought this was some phase i thought it was some like you know Mm -hmm. your dad hurt you and like emotionally (laughs) like your your father is being himself in this, you know, very straight-laced, stoic Jamaican man with, like, lots of ideals. I thought that you liked girls because of that relationship. She's like, but I saw you guys together tonight, 
And you guys didn't even touch. Like there was no kissing, no, nothing past like a church hug. And I could feel the chemistry. So I guess you kind of are into women, huh? <laughs> yep. Yep. I could totally, that's, uh, that's awesome. I'm, I'm glad you shared that story. And I, it, it, there's something I wanted to go back to and it was the idea or the, I hope I heard this right, that in Jamaica, there's, there was a small queer space and I got the feeling that that was a space of safety for a lot of folks who work. Yeah. And it seemed to me that coming out in some ways uh, provided some benefit uh, in terms of allowing that network to find you and, uh, or, and, or allowing you to engage that network and that there may be people out there that haven't come out yet that really do need that support. Um, although I should, you know, acknowledge that there's still clearly some risk of coming out. Um, but it seems like for you coming out allowed you to to engage this this group and and find your girlfriend at the time. Um, yeah, yeah. I was. I mean, I went to an all girls high school, so I really never had an issue finding girlfriends. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you know, I it it was definitely welcome for me at the university level because as you move through the different stages, like you know, I realized I liked girls when I was. It would have been like first grade. Right. Right. And so, you know, now going into like college level, like, you know, and going through that and realizing like, yeah, there's tons of other queer people out there. It's not just like me and my five friends. There's a lot more of us out there Mm -hmm. and being able to engage with those people, like doing different jobs and living different lives. I mean, a lot of people from that circle did end up migrating because of course Jamaica can be oppressive in lots of different ways. And I think that's kind of the same. Yeah. in the Caribbean in general, like it can be oppressive. You can, you can feel like you can never be out loud about who you love because of that inherent, like risk to safety. Mm -hmm. And so like even doing what I do, like being on this podcast, of course, you know, you met Sham who was the former co-host of the podcast and Sham was never like, he never showed his face on any media and he never did any of those things because even though he's not a queer man, he's engaged in a non-traditional relationship. Right. And that would raise questions, like not just amongst like family or friends, but also like in your professional life. Right. Like you can't do certain things if you are publicly um, engaging in quote unquote undesirable behavior. So I wanted to uh, transition to talking about Polly for a second and um, or polyamory. Uh, and so I follow a lot of poly IG pages. And when I thought about poly and, and sort of thought about how it was different from the lifestyle, you know, for me, it was all about like poly being, you know, the pursuit of multiple intimate relationships. Um, and so, you know, somebody who's poly might have multiple boyfriends or girlfriends or whatever. And that was really different from the lifestyle, which was really centered around sex. Um, or so I thought now the longer I've been in the lifestyle and the more I've been learning about poly, 
I am seeing a very thin boundary uh, between the two uh, and um, a very uh, sort of a, a flu more fluid way um, uh, of thinking about ethical non-monogamy in general. So, uh, so just one example or a couple of examples here, just to make this a little bit more concrete. When I'm on IG and I'm scrolling and I follow, you know, I'm looking at these poly pages, it seems to be really centered around sex. Like a lot of, there are just all these provocative photos. And I'm like, are these poly pages or these lifestyle pages? Um, and then in the lifestyle, like, there's a lot of language around like, you know, we don't just want to, we just don't want to have playtime. We really want to get to know people. We want to build friendships. We want to build relationships and then we can play. Um, and so I don't know if you, I, I don't know if I'm making sense to you right now. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit confused these days about the difference between polyamory yeah. and lifestyling because polyamorous folks they're doing a lot of shit that's real similar to swingers and swingers are doing some shit that's real similar to poly so maybe you can make sense out of this for me i i can do my best um what i will say is that there is a thin line as it relates to some types of non-monogamy that people practice and then polyamory in general, right? I I mean, you've seen the monogamous pod page. There's barely anything on there. It's all podcast related. <laughs> and like in the stories is where that, most of the stuff actually happens. That and like every color, once yes. in a while. Yeah. <laughs> and every once in a while you find like some cutesy sexy stuff because I was feeling like posting something sexy today. But I think that a lot of people also gravitate towards a label that huh no let me not say it like that let me let me try to to frame this better not everybody who says they're poly are really poly yes and here we go not ev- and not everybody who says they're just a swinger are really swingers yes i think that there's no universal definition that people have been able to agree on for the most part about non-monogamy and polyamory and how these things are separate or how they come together. So, and you can have swingers who are polyamorous. Polyamorous swingers are a thing. I've had a couple, you know, talk to those people before as well. So there is going to be some overlap depending on how you practice your Mm non-monogamy. And there's like different kinds of relationships people can have. Like, you know, we emphasize intimate relationships. Right. That doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be sex-based. It doesn't necessarily mean it has to be romantic-based. There's a lot of layers to intimacy and what that means to you. Mm -hmm. And I find that a lot of polyamorous content that is out there tends to zero in on the sex part a lot. If they're not trying to specifically talk about. So like, you'll find the, the pages that are like very like, wordy they're talking about definitions and things like that and then you'll find the opposite size people who are just practicing the lifestyle who may have started a podcast or may have not have podcasts are hot right now and they're just posting like sex 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 and i think it's also just more about like what's eye-catching as opposed to like what's really going on in their life and then for some people like i said they don't even know they're using a term that may not be exactly what they are and may not clearly aligned with what the group says polyamory is. Absolutely. So I I hope that explains that. Like, I'm not trying to throw anyone in particular under the bus, but I'm just trying to say that 
I have noticed this as well in my polyamorous, like even Facebook groups. It's like people who join these groups, I'm like, okay, um, we're talking about this. So these are the kinds of things that we've all consensually, like we've mm-hmm. all agreed to are necessary for a polyamorous relationship. And you mm-hmm. were not talking about any of those things. How is this the, the fit for you? And I don't want to pretend as if like, oh, I'm, I'm a gatekeeper of polyamory because I absolutely am not. <laughs> I absolutely am not. But I have seen the misalignment, unalignment. The people are not aligned with the, the general form of either thing that we're talking about. So like I would not consider myself a swinger, but it doesn't mean that I would not be open to going to a sex party. You know what I mean? Right. Like, that's it, the kind of thing that that's the kind of nuance that really is so interesting to me because you go on a website like swing, you know, SLS or even Cassidy that is specifically made for swingers. I'm going to say two things. Um, one is that, you know, some of these profiles will make it very clear. We're looking for a third, but not just a third partner. Like we're looking for a girlfriend, right? A girlfriend on a swinger mm-hmm. site. You know, we're not just looking for a party. Um, we're looking for another person to join our relationship, which you can imagine is still kind of weird. Like it's it's like going yeah. on a dating site and say, "Listen, I'm I'm looking I'm looking for a wife." You know, it's 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 weird. Like you're just, it, it can just be a little odd. slow down a little bit. Um, so there's 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 that, um, and there's also even when we think about the word swinger, which is becoming, in my view, a, a, a less and less popular term that people are mm-hmm. using to describe themselves. Um, because a lot of those people who are entering the lifestyle now, um, they, they, they associate swingers sw- swinging with a very archaic, old, and you know, white crowd that is not representative of them, um, yeah. and it's almost derogatory now, right? So people are sort of moving away from that term, and ethical n- monogamy is becoming the new, uh, the new, um, the new term to use. Uh, the other thing is that you know, I think this pandemic may be sort of playing a role here, where people are really looking for secure ethically non-monogamous relationships that are that are starting to look poly-like so i'm sort of coming at it from a different direction than you are yeah. i know you started talking about how poly is like sort of bridging the gap in, in terms of swinging but i'm 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 looking at a lot of swingers or lifestylers they don't want to be called swingers a lot a lot of the time are like swimming into this really intimate poly space and and i know people change over time i know my wife and i have changed over time and that has a lot to do with this um but i just think i think it's really interesting so it's almost like when you find out somebody is poly or somebody's using terms like lifestyle or or swinger to describe themselves it's almost like it's opening a door and you need to ask more questions because any assumptions you're making about those terms and the accuracy by which they're being used are probably wrong yes fact facts just (laughs) it's more than likely wrong Uh, that's why i'm a when I, I don't know if you've, I probably asked this on the podcast, like several times to people, I'm like, okay, what kind of poly do you practice? And I kind of like press, like, what does that mean? Like, what, what does that look like for you? How, how are you navigating life and love right now? And 10 people can say kitchen table poly, but it doesn't mean that every single person is practicing it the same way. And I do agree with what you said. This pandemic has really made people realize how lonely as a race, 
humans mm-hmm. all are right now. And like, it, I've seen this a lot with single folk. Cause you know, I am single, always looking right. <laughs> Even I'm open, not necessarily like looking, but like I'm open to everything. But as a single person, like I don't live with a partner, I live alone. And one of the things the pandemic really broke open for me was that I'm okay living like this, but sometimes I'd like to be able to be close to other people to be touched by them. Mm -hmm. And then you have people on the flip side who realize like, Oh shit, like I am depressingly alone. Like I don't even have the luxury of like going outside to go to work anymore. What does this look like for me to be complete? And then realizing that the people that you thought were your close friends are not your close friends because you're not in the pod. I don't, I don't know if you guys started a pod in the pandemic, but especially in the early days, it was like, oh, you have to find your pod. You have to form your pod. Yeah. And I think a lot of people realized that the people they thought were their closest friends did not view them the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so they have had to like make those connections organically, which is hard as fuck as an adult. Like making friends as an adult is like an extreme sport. You could probably give 20 seminars just on the topic alone. Oh, and then once we get to the romance side of things and like the sex side of things, I find that a lot of couples who are looking for single people, usually it's single women, they're not actually interested in the person. They're using the person as a tool to make their yeah. sex life better. And so it doesn't surprise me that on these sites, they're always like, oh, looking for a girlfriend. They don't really want all the things that are encompassed in having a girlfriend. They want someone that's kind of like a pet. You can tell them Mm -hmm. to come. You tell them when Mm -hmm. to leave. Mm -hmm. And you weaponize your couple's privilege and make them feel less than. Like they're always aware that they are not as important as your quote unquote primary partners. Wow. As the person you're married to. And I've seen it happen time and time again, where it's like, oh yeah, we're a couple looking for a third. It's like, okay. And yeah, we both have to like them. We have to date together. We don't date separately. It's like, how can you think that you guys will like the exact same person, the exact same way? How is this one person supposed to say they like both of you the exact same way? And they don't leave any room for the kind of conversation where it's like, I may be interested in only one person, but not the other person. And it could grow over time that I could be interested, but you're, they're trying to fit a square into a circle. So they're, mm-hmm. they're never trying to genuinely build a connection with this third person. Mm-hmm. They're just trying to smash someone in a, in a position where they fit or not to suit their relationship. If that makes sense. That is so, that's so interesting because we, we know couples who um, they'll, they'll just have a third, like, you know, with them. I don't know the extent of the relationship. I'm sure like they have sex together or whatever. And there's probably, I don't know what the dynamics are or, you know, who the, who the third, which is typically a female um, is closest to, or what is really the bridge that is connecting her to the couple. Um, I always think it's fascinating to think about. Um, But when you say couple privilege, that that's, that is just such an interesting term to use. Um, But it's, there is a power dynamic there. Um, and that third partner is rarely going to be the one that has the power uh, in that relationship. And I always wonder, what are the circumstances that sever the connection between the couple and this third person? Um, who has say in whether the relationship continues or the extent to which it continues? And, um, you know, 
what position does that third partner have in terms of seeking their own satisfaction in that relationship? I'd imagine that it's it's it, it pales in comparison to to the couple's preference. Um, and so when you say privilege, I'm th- I'm thinking about that power dynamic, which is something I, I of all the of all the texts that I've read on 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 polyamorous um, uh, dynamics um, that that hasn't quite been explored uh although there's a lot of text around how an individual navigates having a relationship with say their primary partner and their secondary partners um yeah i think that uh, we need to talk more about how to shy away from the de facto couple i think that's what it is right it's like for example if I decided that, you know, or you and Belle are looking for a third, you decide that, hey, I'm the third, we're going to do this thing. It's like, okay, what does that look like for me? And in most of these situations as well, it's also a closed situation. So the person who's the third can never go out and date anyone else. They can never engage with anyone wow. else. <laughs> or they can only do things with the permission of the couple. Wow. Like, I've seen, I, I'm all about open dynamics. So I would never be like, oh, hey, like you can only sleep with me. <laughs> First of all, I don't think only two of you can satisfy me. Okay. <laughs> There's a lot going on. <laughs> but it's like, I, I would never lock someone into something like that. You know, that's just not how it works for me. Right. And so if you guys were like, oh, hey, we want you to be a part of our relationship, I, that would come with heavy vetting on both of your parts as well as mine. Like, do we have a strong enough relationship individually with each other for this to work? Like, obviously you and Belle are together. You have that sorted out, but Mm -hmm. do you and I have a strong connection? Do Belle and I have a strong connection? How are the ways in which, you know, you guys are, you know, together, together in real life, you know, living, I don't get invited to family events as a third. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you're not out, Mm -hmm. I don't get invited to office parties. It's pretty much like I don't exist. Like where, where is my place in this structure? How are the ways in which I am being included in the life that you say is also mine? Am I just the, the babysitter? Am I the housekeeper? <laughs> am I the chef? Mm-hmm. Am, I, am I the gardener? Like, am I just the toy that you bring out of the box for sexy times and put back? Like if you were trying to build an actual relationship, if you were trying to have a girlfriend, then there are things that we have to talk about. Like, do I get to sleep in the bed or do I have my own room in the house? Do I have a place where I can put my things if we're doing a cohabitating situation? Do I get individual date nights? Is it only the two of you taking, you know, me on dates? Do I not get, you know, Jen and Bell time? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is that not allowed? And th- there's, there's just so many things that I would have to look at as someone joining a couple. I mean, I have been the unicorn before, right? Sexually and like romantically. And how all those dynamics were structured were all so different. Right. So, so different. So when I was in a triad with my last triad, it was an open triad, but I had a relationship with the wife first. And then, you know, at the husband and I were friends, that connection built. And then it also became a relationship between he and I. But again, I had an individual relationship with him, an individual relationship with her, and they had their relationship with each other. And I wasn't involved in their married people business. That was not my business. Like, even though we were all friends and it's kind of hard to make that shift, right? Because you're going from just a friend 
to somebody who now has a vested interest in how this relationship turns out. And we all had to like renegotiate our boundaries. Like, okay, what are we comfortable talking about mm-hmm. now that we're all romantically involved? And it didn't mean that we were pulling away from the friendship, but you know, where the wife would usually come to me and tell me like, Oh my God, like he's so annoying me today. That's no longer on the table in the same way because, Hey, that's, that's my boyfriend. (laughs) And I don't need to be, I don't need your relationship to color how I view you romantically because I am that person. Like I'm that friend where if your partner screws you over, I will never forget it. So Mm -hmm. I don't need to hear how my boyfriend did something that really bothered you the other day because I'm going to internalize that. And that's me personally. Wow. Wow. That's, that's, that's heavy stuff. And I, I mean, it, it just shows me how, how, how complicated this could get. Um, you know, you add a third person to the relationship. This isn't just about like, okay, well, you know, you have another partner. We have so much love to give. Now nah, you got, you got a little bit of drama to give too. And you know, the way that, uh, the, the, the way that can manifest in a relationship, uh, can be quite unpredictable. Like I'm just, I'm just thinking about, you know, you're, you know, you're in a relationship and you know, you're, you and the wife, um, you know, you and bell might be getting really close. Now what comes with close relationships is the comfort and confiding in this person, um, both your successes, your failures and your frustrations. And oftentimes that may involve, you know, their, their husband or their wife. And if you're trying to have a good relationship with that person, um, yeah, I could, I could totally see this. I mean, it happens in my family all the time. People will vent to me about other family members and I have to, I have to remind myself that I'm only getting, you know, one side of the story. Um, but it, it may affect you. Like it's really hard to just listen to, uh, a, a terrible thing that one partner might have done to another, and and just sort of sit there with a neutral face and sort of be impartial. Um, no, if you're emotionally connected to someone, their enemy can become your enemy. Um, yeah. And if that enemy is also one of your lovers, uh, it could get really dicey. So I'm, I appreciate you being transparent about that. Listen, I was like, listen, bomber, why you hurt my girlfriend? And you're like, why? Like. I, I'm your boyfriend. I don't care. You hurt my girlfriend's feelings and I love her. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's things like that. And like I said, I'm very aware of my own weaknesses in this regard. And so I, I'm clearly always like, listen, if I'm not comfortable hearing something, I will let you know when I get to that point. Because some stuff might be okay. Like, ah, Bella forgot to take out the trash today. It's like, oh, okay, that's fine. That's annoying. It would annoy me too, but like, it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. But like if every, if every other day you're telling me this, like, necessarily not necessarily like negative interaction but a less than positive interaction about this other partner it's like okay so like why are you with them why am i with them if this is how they treat you and obviously you can't completely judge someone by how they treat another partner because like you said there's multiple sides to the story right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. maybe it wasn't bell's turn to take out the trash (laughs) maybe it was your turn (laughs) right and you asked her to do it last minute and she couldn't get to do that like there's there's a lot of layers to things i'm just oh boy i I do my best i do my best but i also know i don't thrive in triad situations unless it's all just like you know sex and that we don't all necessarily have and sex can look a lot of different ways right so it doesn't necessarily mean like penetration it could just be like yeah the set the sensual touching 
mm-hmm. the 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 touching the the connection that we have with each other is super important to me like chemistry is something that i can i cannot live with without it i can't live without that if i don't have that draw to you that makes me want to rub my body on you like i'm a cat in your catnip i don't i don't it means that you're not right for me yeah Oh man, sex is weird. People are weirder um, yeah. and complicated and get messy. And uh, there, there is there is a beauty to it all. Um, this has been an awesome conversation, Jen. It's always a pleasure chatting with you. Um, is there uh, anything you want to tell our listeners about how to reach you, how to get more information about your podcast, et cetera, et cetera? Oh yes, of course. So you can find moi. Jen, the lovely host of Monogamish Pod. I'm, I'm trying my bomber voice on again. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find me at monogamishpod.com. Of course, that's where all of our episodes go. Detailed show notes, the whole nine yards. If I have guests, link to the guests as well. Go there. Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, at Monogamish Pod. I have a Facebook page, which I rarely ever post on, but it's there. Guess what it's called? monogamish pod there's a youtube channel i've been doing <laughs> video for season three and i'm going to let you guess what that's called as well are you ready bomber you want to guess is it monogamish pod yes yes oh my god oh, you're so smart <laughs> <laughs> like monogamish pod so season three all the episodes that have video components are up on there some of them don't have video and that's usually on purpose i'll be eventually uploading the audio to there as well and of course we have a patreon patreon.com slash monogamish pod it is a little spicy though a little mm-hmm. spicy so it's it's 18 plus there are some um interesting things on there <laughs> i will say <laughs> so if that's yeah. that's what you're into <laughs> then you can definitely uh head on over to the patreon to see that stuff and if you're a patron you also get access to the close friends list on instagram which involves more stuff but you know within 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 the rules because we don't want to get flagged right um no i i urge people to 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 check you out um you know jen is 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 beautiful and she has the most amazing smile and a pair of really sexy dimples um, I, it's only like and, one dimple. It's not like a whole <laughs> dimple. <laughs> but my glasses are banging, though. My glasses banging. <laughs> I'm just trying to avoid saying you got some big titties. So, um, but I said it, and it's over. Uh, it just it's got- over. <laughs> um, but no, thanks for being on the show. And uh, yo, uh, you are always a part of the family. You're in you're fairly close to us now, so we got to hang out again. I I don't yes. know if you heard our episode on our top experiences of 2021, but uh, our experience with you in karaoke was one of our oh, top. Listen, the karaoke was so much fun. <laughs> oh like God. I have, I don't even want to talk about it to other people because I'm like, y'all would be jealous at how much fun we had, and I can't even let you guys get into your feelings like that. Like, <laughs> had so much fun. <laughs> I love karaoke. Okay. Listen, we will caterwaul on this mic all day. Next time we need to get a bigger room. Even if it's just the three of us, just get the bigger room. Let's just, let's just splurge. Oh, yes. On no, we need, we need, we need the, we need the stage. We're going to, we're going to have some props. It's, it's going to be on. Um, all right. So I'll have your information in the show notes. Thank you so much, Jen. We'll talk again. Yes. I'd love you to do this. Bye everyone.
All right, y'all. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview. I enjoyed having that interview. Um, I'm sorry the bell wasn't there to uh, experience it, but you know it's all love and uh, she will be back uh, soon enough. But anyway, uh, that inter that that interview went in some directions I didn't know it was gonna go in. Uh, there were some uh, assumptions there that were definitely challenged, and I think people evolve over time. So I hope that gives you some real good insight, um, uh, not only in terms of understanding these different groups in ethical non-monogamy, but just that uh, even within those groups there could be some uh, interesting variations in how people define themselves. Um, so uh, I will check out now, uh, but uh, check out the uh, bell, let you know how to get in contact with us, um, and uh, Monogamish Pods, aka Jen's uh, information will be in the show notes. Peace out. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please do check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Black in Kinky. You can also find us under the same name on Cassidy, APG, Amore Getaways, and Patreon. Check us out on Facebook and YouTube under Black and Kinky Lifestyle. Feel free to email us at black, the letter N, kinky, lifestyle at gmail.com. Or call and leave a voice message at 937-462-0744. Bye. Black and Kinky, Black and Kinky, Black and Kinky Lifestyle.